And I'm telling you, y'all, it was the most boring thing that I have ever sat through in my entire life. I, I was like, I have no idea how these people do this, man. This is just nuts. And I, I vowed if I get, ever get out of this room, I ain't ever coming back. And so crazy things happen. Uh, don't have time to get into all that. I come back to that same church six months later. Uh, I had been promoted to the youth department, okay? So uh, come in, my buddy's still there. Scenery was just as good. And yet the, the dude got up, and I'm telling you all, he started opening this book and proclaiming it. And uh, Mr. Longhair, thinking he's all that, teenager, I'm, I'm like, Dude's been following me around or something. And it just, uh, wow, God got my attention. And through uh, the next several weeks of, of coming, uh, man, I confess to the Lord Jesus Christ that I was a sinner separated from Him. And man, I, I got saved. I don't want to make this sound like I think I'm all that, but I'm telling you, y'all, it was, that was on Sunday. On Monday, I went to school, a new dude. Uh, it was a large high school, 4,000 students in it, and uh, started toting my Bible. You know, I'm not saying you got to do that. You know, I'm just saying somehow in my head, hey, this is it, you know, and it, and it was a, it was a, it was radical. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to present myself as all that. Okay. So long story short, I end up in the ministry and, uh, so, you know, years go by and I become the senior pastor at a church in Ohio. And so, uh, some of the, the churches in Florida that, you know, we used to go to camp together. Some of these guys are going, hey, you know that dude? You know, he's pastoring in Ohio. Maybe it'd be cool if we brought him back to speak to all of the youth uh, in, you know, in the state of Florida, the churches that fellowship together. And so, uh, wow, y'all. I, I did what I'm getting ready to do with y'all this morning. And, uh, you know, I, again, I know I'm an old guy. But man, the young people were just eating it up. But all the adults at the camp were choking. And, and, and you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, say what? And they're saying, well, you know, we think that, uh, you know, maybe your call uh, is just too radical. Like, wait. wait. Are you sitting in the same room? I, 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 mean, I mean, the kids are going, yes. And all the adults are freaking out about, you know, we're asking too much of these young people. Okay, so the pastor uh, that had actually invited me, he wasn't there that week. He was the pastor's son at the church where I got saved. So he rolls in on Thursday. And all the adults are, oh, and all the kids are, oh, and 
Uh, so I, I'm talking to him. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, my, my wife's been here all week. And, and she said, you know, that she thinks it's, it's really good for the adults and the adults need to hear this. But she thought that maybe it was, maybe it was too heavy for the kids. You know, and it actually was the exact opposite. And, uh, and he said something to me, y'all, that th this was 20 years ago. It's never left me. He, he says, you know, Mark, when you got saved, it was a radical thing that happened in your life. And he said, I think you think that that's the way that it ought to be with everybody else when they get saved. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you know what, in real life, it, it really doesn't work out like that. Sorry, y'all. It does. And I, I don't, I'm not trying to diss the dude. If I told you his name, you could Google it, and you know what would come up? That he embezzled $16 million from the church that he pastors, mega church, uh, all kinds of accusations of women, and all of that kind of stuff. And I, my mind had always gone back to that maybe salvation isn't this radical thing. Hey guys, I know I'm old. Salvation's a radical thing. We're in the kingdom of darkness and we're brought out into a whole different type of existence. A whole different kingdom, as it were. And my, are you up and running there? Just get the, the title of, uh, can you, this is the title of my message. And I got to hurry. Uh, the title of the message is, Whatever Happened to Just Going For It? And I'm talking about it as in terms of this whole Jesus thing that we see in the Bible because, you know, I actually, I, I look back. To the first century, okay, and, and I, I look at what salvation was for people back in the first century, and listen, y'all, virtually every other century until we get to about the 20th century, the 1900s, and into the 21st century, and I look back and I see what happened when people called on the name of the Lord. You know what people have done historically through the centuries, y'all? Is when they called on the name of the Lord, they went for it. They saw it as a whole new type of existence. And, and listen, they abandoned self-will and self-seeking and self-interest and all their little temporal pleasures and pursuits. And they went all in for Jesus. And listen, they trusted Him to do some crazy stuff with their life. And again, I got one shot to be able to talk to you guys. And you know what is just climbing all over me? Is I, I want you guys to, to understand 
that you are doing life right now, almost every single one of you claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And man, if you'd let Him, I'm telling you, y'all, He would do some crazy stuff with your life. I don't know, Pastor Mark. Man, I, I ain't got all too much going on. I'm not the most smart guy in the world. Didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks. Hello? Again, I don't think I'm anything, y'all. But I'm telling you, I am a street urchin that didn't know jack about anything. But man, when I got saved, I thought, hey, this is what this thing is really all about. And what I want to do is I want to just start taking you through a few places in the Word and let you see what Jesus was calling people to when He was here on the planet. And what we're going to see is He was calling people to go all in, to go for it, to go for Him. I mean, let's look at the call. This is where we'll pick up in your notes. The call that Jesus makes to us through the three men in Luke Chapter 9, verses 57 to 61. I think most of you are, I'm sure some of you are not, but I'm not sure a lot of us are familiar with this story. But there's three guys in this passage, and all three of them have every intention in the world of being one of Jesus' faithful followers. And and as I I read you the the story, I, I want you to notice that when Jesus is dialoguing with each of them about this thing of following Him and what that means, what it really looks like in life, I want you to notice that all three of these guys, listen now, just like most of the people in this room this morning, they didn't just acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord. They acknowledged that Jesus was their Lord. And let's pick up in verse 57. It says, And it came to pass, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Here it is, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Watch yourself. Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I'll follow thee. Let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hey, y'all. Pretty intense passage, would you say? I mean, are you hearing what Jesus is actually saying here? In verse 58, would you look at it again? Uh, go, go forward. Uh, verse 58 is there. There you go. In, in, in verse 58, look at what he's saying. He said, yeah, I know. I know you want to follow me. But do you understand what that actually is going to mean? What he says is, it it may mean that you end up homeless 
So do you want to follow me? And he's saying in verse 60, yeah, I want you to follow me. But do you understand that to actually do that, it's going to mean, verse 60, Do you understand? He, he says that it's going to mean that somebody else is probably going to bury your dad. Then in verse 61, he's saying, yeah, man, I want you to follow me, but do you understand that to actually do that, probably not even going to get a chance to say goodbye to your family. And in every case, what Jesus is facing them with is, hey, if it means this to follow me, do you still want to do it? And did you notice their response? Again, that they, they all acknowledged, at least with their lips, Christ's lordship. But watch this craziness. The guy in verse 59 says, sure, sure, I'll follow you. I mean, who wouldn't? But Lord, suffer me or allow me Watch this now. Allow me... What's the next word? Me first to go and bury my father. You guys know what an oxymoron is? You're saying things that don't quite fit together. It's a contradiction. And he says, this guy says in one breath, Lord... And at the very same time, in the very same breath, me first. Wait, 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 wait. Doesn't, doesn't Jesus as Lord mean you first? Doesn't it mean you only? Is that the way you guys understand the concept of Lord? And the guy, is this too heavy? Okay. All the adults said, no, you guys got good adults working with y'all. The guy in verse 61 does the same exact thing. Look at, look at it again, verse 61. Lord. You hear that word? Lord, I will follow thee. But let me, here it is, it is again. But let me first. And you know what I want to say? Are you kidding me? How are, how's that coming out your mouth, man? Until I just look back on my little journey in the Christian life. And, and you know how some people pray? Uh, you know, some people, when they pray, it's... And Father, I ask, and Father, we this, and Father, that, and other people are, and God, and God, and God. You know what? My little word of choice for when I'm praying, I, I'm, I'm the Lord guy. And Lord, I pray, and Lord, and Lord. So I, I know how to use the word. And, and I can sing me some pretty awesome tunes. When it comes to Christ's lordship and acknowledging Him as Lord, oh, I like this song. This is Lord. And whenever I'm witnessing to folks through the years, man, I found that I can wax 
really eloquent. That means I can speak really good in talking to lost people and, and, and letting them know that, listen, man, Jesus is the Lord. And Jesus is the only Lord. And yet, as I look back through my journey, you know what has held me back, y'all? The fact that I can say, Lord, and still be saying, but let me first. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are we connecting? Okay. Regardless of what we want to call that me first mentality, and regardless of how we want to rationalize it or justify it, Lord and me first don't fit. A few chapters over from where we are in Luke, in Luke 14, Jesus gives another glimpse of his call on our lives to to go for it. And and where we are here in Luke 14 is through the parable of the Great Supper. And then Jesus says in verses 16 and 17 that there was a certain man, or remember this is a parable, but he says there was a certain man hosting a great supper. The point is, listen y'all, just so you can get the illustration, the certain man in the story is him. And by his invitation to the great supper, he's, he's trying to let us know that the only way that we're ever really going to figure the life out, the life thing out, it, the only way that we're ever going to really find satisfaction within is by partaking of Him. The Great Supper is Him. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, again, the invitation to the Supper is to come to Jesus for salvation and allow Him to fill our lives with His fullness and to go for it. To go for Him. And so in verse 17, look at it, He sends out His, his servant, that's the Holy Spirit, and, and the Spirit is inviting Him, saying, come, for all things are now ready. And, and yet what happens is everybody sends word back, you know, I'd really love to come. But there was always some extenuating circumstance that was causing a little conflict in their schedule. And just see if there isn't something that maybe the Spirit of God can't say to us from these men who didn't go for it. Okay, so the first guy in... Verse 18, you have first guy there. Why these men didn't go for it. Okay, the first guy, he didn't go for it. What what the passage says is because he had bought a piece of land and he needed to go look at it. And and listen, let me just cut to the chase. His excuse were not going for it had to do with money. This piece of property represented 
wealth. And I'm sure that he appreciated the invitation, but the truth is the supper really just wasn't all that inviting to him because he saw it as an interruption to what he could be doing with his property. And then Jesus said in verse 19 that there was another guy, the second guy, and he couldn't go for it. And the excuse of why he couldn't go for it is because, man, he had just launched his career. I mean, this dude had bought five yoke of oxen and he needed to to prove them or to train them. Because, listen, in that agricultural world farming of the first century, man, if you had five yoke of oxen, you got to understand, things were just about to open up for you, man. And so I'm sure that this guy appreciated the invitation, but wow, do, do this for that? Not, not right now. And then in verse 20, Jesus talks about another guy, a third guy who couldn't go for it. An excuse he had had to do with his marriage. I've just taken a wife. Okay, now I get it. I understand we got middle school and high school students in here, and you're probably thinking right now, hey, did you forget you're not talking to adults? You're talking to young people? I mean, what does all of that stuff have to do with me? And the, the answer to that is basically everything. It has everything to do with you. Because, listen, believe it or not, the three excuses that these guys are using be the same excuses that young people, teenagers in the 21st century are using. Because listen, y'all, typically the way that it works, especially with good teenagers like y'all, and again, I you know, came in doing a silly rap and didn't really have a chance to just say, I think it's awesome that you're here. It's, it's very, very cool to me that you've taken the time out of your schedule to do this. I hope your parents didn't make you. hope it's something that you wanted to do. But even with good teenagers like y'all, the way that it works typically, you may be the exception, I hope. But most teenagers in the 21st century say this, one of these days, One of these days, I'm going to go for it, man. One of these days, I'm going to sell out to Jesus. One of these days, I'm going to go all in. But listen, just like the guy in verse 18, the one of these days for most teenagers is I got to get me some property first. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to get a house, and, and I want to get settled, and then I'm going to go for it. And, and just like the guy in, in verse 19, man, I, I'm going to go for it one of these days, man. But, but listen, before I, I go all in, I want to, I want to get established in my career. I want to get a good job. I want to start making some decent coin. And like the guy in verse 20, most teenagers are going, one of these days, I'm going to go for it. One of these days, I'm going to go all in. But I want to get married first. 
And, and Lynn, man, listen, after that, okay, so when I, listen, when I get a good job, when I get married, and when I get settled in my career, that's it, man. I'm going to kiss this world goodbye, and I'm going all in for Jesus, man. And, and listen, can I just say this to you? Are you listening? If those are the excuses that you're using now, it's the same excuses you'll be using 10 years from now. Because then, okay, well, let's run it out 10, 15 years from now. You know what you'll be saying then? Because the, the issue is a heart issue. It's not a time issue. It's a heart issue. What you'll be saying 10 or 15 years from now is, hey, when I get a better job, I'm going to go for it. Or, you know, when I get the promotion, that's when I'm, I'm going to do Or when we build our, our first house, that's when we'll go for it. Or after we have our kids. Okay, and I get it. I, I, I know it. I, I really know it. I am an old geezer. But would you, you do your best to just try to listen to me for a second? Houses and money are wonderful blessings, guys. But they're really lousy gods. And that job and that career that you're looking at, hey, it's, it's awesome. I, I don't begrudge it. But I can just tell you, job and career is a lousy job. God. Spouses and children, I'm all about it. I'm for it. I think it's awesome. But spouses and kids are lousy gods. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe we need a refresher course in the very first of the Ten Commandments. Anybody remember what that first one was? Something about thou shalt not uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And, and I, I'm saying to you, isn't that what isn't that what Christianity is really about? Coming to the place of understanding our sinfulness before a holy God, calling on Him as the Lord, and because of that understanding that this life is not what this thing is really all about. If I, if I read the New Testament correctly, that's what this thing is, y'all. It's I was going this way in my life. Bam! Jesus became... I saw who He was. Ah, uh, okay. And now I'm going this way with my life. Blade was talking about it when we were singing. Somewhere along the way, this thing has turned into call on Jesus and you go to heaven when you croak. Yay! Awesome! I'm really glad for the promise. It's cool. I'm not, I'm really, I'm, I'm being serious. 
But this isn't about what happens after we die, y'all. This was about life right now. I'm going to have to hustle. Let me just show you some examples of those who did go for it. Examples of those who did go for it. Sorry about the PowerPoint. Got jacked for some reason. Okay, we look at the disciples in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Why don't you put the, put the, the verses up there. And you guys know this. This is when Jesus was calling them to follow him. And would you look at, find verse 20 there, do you see it? About halfway down. It says, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Would you look at verse 22 right at the end there? And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And, and, and listen, the truth is that their response is one thing. If you think that Jesus is calling these guys to leave their, their hobby or, or their little you know, pastime. But listen, do you understand that fishing wasn't their hobby? It wasn't what they did for kicks. It was their career. It was their livelihood. When they left their nets, do you understand? They were leaving their paycheck. They were leaving their security. They were leaving their home. They were leaving the life that they had created for themselves. And as soon as he called, for them, it was, you know, it wasn't like, okay, I don't know. Let me think about that. Immediate. I'm following. Let's look at the example of of Saul, who you know God turned into Paul. And again, I I don't really have the time to to bust out everything I wanted to bust out about Saul, who became Paul. But listen, y'all, in his lost state, you understand this dude had it all going for him. He did grow up on the right side of the tracks. He was a brainiac. He did have the best possible schooling. And one of these days, I mean, he is zealous for God, at least his understanding of him. And he's on the road to Damascus, and Jesus says, What in the heck are you doing, dude? Bam! He falls to the ground and says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And from that day forward, it was a radical, radical conversion. Man, Paul was a guy who got it. And do you listen? You understand? He spent the rest of his life trying to get people like me and you all through the New Testament. You know what the Apostle Paul's doing? He's trying to help us to get it. He did everything he could do in the New Testament to give you and and me an understanding that when it comes to this life, please try to pull it in and make sure that you grab this, y'all. All through the New Testament, he's trying to say, listen, with this thing of life, you get... One shot. 
my brothers and sisters, would you please hear the old man? You get one shot at this thing. One shot to get it right. One shot to make a difference. One shot to prepare for eternity. One shot to invest in eternity. And while, if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll spend the rest of our stinking lives in and around this me-first mentality. And, and have some old dude come and try to, for a few minutes, say, this is what the call of Jesus looks like. And if we're not careful, we'll sit there and go, oh, I don't know. Sounds pretty intense to me. And while we're sitting around this weekend and this year and through high school and through college and through our young married life, while we're trying to figure it out and count the cost, you understand? World's still spinning, clock's still ticking, the game's still being played, the war's still raging, the battle's still being fought. And every three seconds that we delay, another five souls drop off into eternity. Most of them never even having one opportunity to have somebody share the gospel with them. And we're trying to figure out, I don't know, it sounds pretty crazy. And I'm saying to you, it is. And it's the most wonderful crazy in the world, man. This is, this is why we exist, y'all. Please understand your salvation, your Christianity is not to cart you to heaven when you die. Yeah, you get the benny of that. <laughs> but Jesus wants you to become His home. And He dwells in you. And life revolves around Him. Okay, i got to quit. So let me just, with this last point, and I'll, I'll do it quickly. How, how are you going to know this weekend? How are you going to know where you are with this thing? What going for it looks like in real life? Can I, can I break it down as simply as I possibly can? I think I can do it in, in three words. Okay? Listen, y'all, if you really want to understand everything that we've been talking about, this call of Jesus on our life, just try to get your head wrapped around three words. How hard could that be? The, the, the way that it works in real life, y'all, is it's coming to the place in your life to where you can genuinely say to Jesus, Single word. 
Doesn't matter what it is. Whatever. Second word that we need to get to the place to where we could actually say to Jesus is wherever. I know you're saved. Yay! I'm glad. We'll spend eternity together. But have you ever been able to say that one word to Jesus? Wherever. As long as it's in the U.S. As long as it's in Kansas City. As long as it... And then, third word, what it looks like in real life, is being able to say, whenever. Not after me first. Not after I... Whenever. And you gotta... Y'all, don't, don't, don't pack up right now, okay? You just got to understand that most people, it's always after something. It's never now. And if it's going to be after something, y'all, the way that it works in real life is it will always be after something. There will always be something. How simple it is, and yeah, how weighty it is to be able to, now that we, hear me, call on him as our Lord. How hard is it to just say, okay, 